everybody, welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. And I'm Molly. And it is another late night episode, babe. Yes, it is. It is late. So if we're, if we're discombobulated like, like last week, it's because it's another late night. And it's not due to... Uh, it's simply due to the fact that I just got back from four days of camping and downhill mountain biking with my son and one of our other family friends with a, with a son, Tito's age. And... Um, Rolled in today, my father-in-law, classic father-in-law action, sends me a text on like Saturday and says, hey, are you coming up to the cabin on Wednesday? <laughs> and I'm like, you made it sound like there's a plan. I don't know anything about it. I was like, is there a plan? Like what, what's going on? You know? So I'm headed up to the cabin tomorrow morning, but I had to run errands and do a bunch of stuff when I came into town. To do maintenance chore sort of stuff. Yeah. Just you and yeah. you and my dad. So yeah. it's not, it's not a family it's not a, a trip that's appropriate for the whole family yeah. to go with. So anyway, with everything else we had going on, and then the family worship night we've been doing on uh, Tuesday nights for uh, like a Bible study. Uh, the only time we had through the show was... Right now. Right now. So here we are. If this is your first time joining us, thank you for joining us. Molly and I are married, and we have four kids, 10 through 3, because we're old and weird. And... Um, when we talk on the show, we, I don't, what are we talking about tonight? Do you have something on, on your radar? What's What's happened? What's, what's going on in your world, babe? Um, I have a couple things that we could talk about. The first one is that I feel like kids go in cycles of being hard and then they're just like struggle with certain things for a while. And sometimes all the kids are struggling and sometimes just one kid is struggling and therefore I'm struggling with that kid. And then they kind of like the intensity of parenting of that particular kid lets up for a while. Right now, it's our two middle girls and fighting. Hmm. And I am just really struggling to respond well to their just constant. Like today, this morning while you were out doing errands, I've... I was trying to do work in the yard and I finally told them they had to go inside and stay away from each other because just they're playing with the pose and all of a sudden one of them gets sprayed in the way she doesn't like and they're yelling and they're crying and then they're doing something else and then all of a sudden one of them bites the other one on the back. (laughs) You know, it doesn't break the skin, but I can see teeth marks. Oh. And, you know, and it, like it was, it, it, I don't even know why they bit the other one, but I was just so over it by then that I didn't do the good godly parent thing and sit down and why did you bite your sister? You know, I did say, say, say you're sorry. Now, just go away from each other. It, they cannot and other than praying for wisdom and for mercy that they would get along with each other i'm just stumped i don't know what to do i'm so tired of it Uh, yeah i had a similar not similar stumping experience with the kids but you know when titus we're on day we did four days of downhill mountain biking and I don't know if you haven't done downhill mountain biking, but it's, you know, it. you watch the videos and if you watch videos on YouTube, it looks really smooth and everybody's going really fast and looks like it'd be a great time. 
but it's not. I mean, I mean, it's a great time, but it's not smooth. I mean, we're we're in the Rocky Mountains. There are rocks everywhere, and you're going down the hill, and there's these things called breaking bumps in berms, where similar to ruts, a washboard on a dirt road. When you get enough cars going over the same washboards, the same suspension, it just makes those washboards worse. And so the braking bumps around berms are the same thing. When you hit your brakes on the berms to go around and control your speed, it just creates these big divots. And it, it can beat you up pretty good. Um, so we did the first two days were great. And then the second day we hit a small mountain that none of us really knew much about. And it was pretty technical, kind of like more of a more of a traditional single track, not big wide flowy trail. You mean the third day? The third day, yeah. And then the fourth day, and, and we had to, we camped... That third night, we went way up into the mountains because we just we were going to camp on Forest Service. So we followed a Forest Service road somewhere in western Montana outside of Libby. Uh, gorgeous area. But we, we got up on this plateau. We ended up on this plateau. and we're like, The road was really well maintained. We ended up on this plateau. It's just a great view. And it's just basically a wide spot. And this particular road ran through private and forest. So we stopped on, the, on a forest section. And camp for the night. We had a great time. The, the boys found some bear scat. We had some great views. They had, it was where kind of on a, there was a little bit of a downhill slope. And so they had skid, you know, skid contests on their bikes to see who got the longest skid, popping wheelies and doing all the things. And uh, anyway, we went to bed at a reasonable hour, as we've been doing because we've been kind of tired at night. But it started raining in the middle of the night. And not, not knowing how the roads were going to end up because uh, I'm petrified of mud now after having our family cabin, your parents' cabin up in the crazies. Um, if, it, if it rains really, really hard, everything turns to muck, just this bottomless goop. So it started raining at about midnight and I wake up, ah, I wake up at midnight when it starts raining. I'm like, oh boy. Uh, I pull another weather report on my Garmin and shows not horrible, but it shows it's going to be like 0.12 inches of rain. And I was like, eh, we should be fine. The road was pretty solid. But I still was con- mildly concerned. So I fall asleep and it starts raining harder. Wake up at 3, can't go to sleep. And then I hear I hear my buddy Christian up doing some things over there. So I, hop, I, uh, so I went back to sleep, stopped raining, went back to sleep. And then around 5, 4.30 or 5, I heard it was still raining. And we're like, eh. And I hear Christian doing putzing. some stuff putzing over in his truck and so I, I put on my clothes climbed down i was like dude what do you what's up he's like he's like i just the bikes are upside down and i'm just imagining rain going into these into these headsets and everything else and i'm like how do you feel about the roads like i'm i'm mildly concerned i don't want the roads to, if it rains all day i don't want i don't want to get stuck up here and he goes yeah i was like because i mean i can i can wake titus up we can load up and get out of here so we opted to load up and get out of there and Titus, so I woke up to Titus up at five in the morning and he never went back to sleep. Ugh. And um, he snoozed a little bit and he was, so we started mountain biking, but he didn't eat any breakfast. He just, he was really struggling to eat breakfast most mornings. And so he's like me on day in three, yet another way he bonks at noon. Like he can't, he's, he's toast. He's like, ah, and we rode pretty hard for the first part of the part. Uh, well, it was about two o'clock because the, uh, the mountain didn't open until about 11. So about, we rode pretty hard for about two, for a couple hours. And he just he just bonks. He's like, oh, I'm done, Dad. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, no, no worries, no big. We'll we'll get you, we'll go to bed early tonight. And we have you know the mountain opens late. Uh, the next mountain we're going to. We did four different mountains. 
So the next, we've got a short drive, and the next mountain we go to is going to open like at 11. And so we got plenty of time to rest up. So we did. Um, and we wake up and I asked Tito, I was like, how you feel? He's like, feeling fresh? He's like, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm like, cool. So we head up on the mountain, and I thought it'd be fun to rent some some really big, squishy, heavy downhill bikes. And I did, and we did run, run, and we did the second run down the mountain, and he bonks again. He's just like, lethargic and just slow and i'm kind of frustrated at this point because i asked him you to i was like you want me to make your breakfast burrito he's like yeah and i was like you hungry he's like i'm not gonna eat my burrito i'm just gonna have this applesauce <laughs> i'm like dude you need to eat no I'm, I'm not hungry i'm like okay you're gonna you need to eat he doesn't eat and so i'm kind of frustrated because i just spent this money on these bikes and we're having a great time and you know, he crashed, then he started crashing a couple times, just super minor crashes, but he's just, he's not having any fun, even though he'd been talking to me about wanting to try a big bike the entire weekend. And, um, by big bike, I mean, we're on smaller hardtails that don't have as much travel and these are full suspension. So they've got travel in the rear and I'm just, I'm really having this internal argument with myself because I didn't want to, uh, respond poorly. I didn't want to respond poorly and make him, you know, hate something. I just like, I, I want to have the right response. And I didn't know what the right response was. And I just was kind of debating internally, like, do I, lecturing him is, is definitely not the right response. But at the same time, I want, I'm like, I want him to understand the value of money and to at least say thank you or to be appreciative. But he just, he crashed and he didn't really ever come out could of it you, the rest of the day extra food could not have helped him uh yeah right around we we finally made it down he took a bunch of breaks we finally made it down and then he started snacking he still wouldn't eat anything particular and we decided to bomb back to billings at that point um but by by the time we had dinner he had kind of revived but um, but on the mountain, on the mountain, extra it food was, would not have. Well, he wasn't eating. He's like, I eat this bar, so he eat a little pieces. Like, I can't finish it. He probably he had not I just finish it. He probably and, had heat stroke. Well, when he I was get drinking heat stroke. I yeah, don't. He was I'm drinking. He was drinking tons of water. Um, and I was trying to make sure he was snacked up, but it was just it was kind of a struggle. And I recognized that we've had a great weekend and I'm like the person that's going to ruin that could ruin this weekend is not him. It's me, <laughs> you know, like it's me that could ruin this weekend. And I didn't want to respond in such a way that would, re- that would ruin the weekend. So I, you know, at one point he's like, dad, why, why are you not saying anything? I was like, well, buddy, honestly, I'm, I'm really kind of like, I'm trying not to be angry at how this is turning out right now. You know, because I wanted to go ride and bomb and have a great time. It's a huge mountain. It's a ton of fun. There's a lot of terrain. And um, I kind of was hoping that maybe Thursday, day three, was like an anomaly. But um, anyway, I just kind of fist bumped him and said, you know, we've had a great weekend. And I tried not to let it bother me a whole lot. But, oh, it was was a little bit of a... That was the one... That was the only... Really, the only challenge, the only difficult moment of the whole weekend, like everything else, was pretty, pretty fun, pretty smooth. We had a great time. He didn't have; he sent it. Man, it's usually pretty smooth when you just have one kid on you. Yeah, I mean, day two, you know, he was he was a lot slower. Like I took him mountain biking last year, as you remember, to Big Sky, 
Mm-hmm. And he was a lot, he was really fast and just sending it off everything. But I got him a new bike at Christmas and he was just well, a lot slower. Um, it, was, it was a little bit, it's a larger bike and more, you know, but he struggled to get his hips, some technique stuff that he really was struggling with now this year. So I don't know. But then at one point he just totally sent it off of it's a drop you come down and kind of do a big deep drop and get lots of speed and then go up he'll lose some speed but shoots you pretty much straight up and you land on that on like a plateau and he just went straight up and was probably four feet in the air just and just nailed it like form and everything was perfect and i was like hold do you know how high you were he's like yeah i felt pretty high i'm like you were way up there dude so that was kind of cool but it's fun we had a great time overall but it, there was that just that one parenting yeah. moment where i, I was would have like, struggled with spending that much money and doing it for one bike run too kind of struggle with you spending that much money period <laughs> that's why you didn't hear from me the rest of that day to be honest oh really yeah oh. i was trying to process yes i understand you being mad but also i'm <laughs> oh i but, just thought you were preoccupied because you had you've been pretty quiet all weekend well we didn't have much cell service either but um, no, he'd been asking. I thought it'd be fun to, it's not, I, I don't really want you to justify it right. on the podcast. I just want you to know that I'm struggling with you splurging that much. Hmm. Can I make it up to you somehow? By spending more money? <laughs> you make that's up. Not what I, that's not what I said. I said, can I make it up to you somehow? How do you make up? It's a sunk cost. I mean, economically, you know, that's why I, I was just. Like you Is there anything were... I can do to make you not yeah, unhappy? Don't splurge like that. Okay, I won't splurge like that. <laughs> it's your it wasn't it wasn't one of my it wasn't you know, it really wasn't one of my smarter moments. I you know, I thought it would be something that would be uh enjoyable for both of us, but it was I learned after the first run, I mean it's a new bike, figured there'd be some new but he couldn't like there's a learning curve balance positioning geometry where do you like how does the thing handle and he you know it's renting and then doing that is a bad idea just take the bike you're with you'll be way better off and if you want a big downhill bike to ride buy one learn it then go (laughs) (laughs) so there's that it's just yeah i mean it's like yeah trying to do something with something you've never he's also 10 I mean, everything he does is a big learning curve still at this point. He's been life. riding really well the last few times I've taken him out, though. He This is he his first really time well. out at all this year. No, we've gone out to the back nine a couple times, where he's oh, bonked right. both times because he doesn't eat breakfast. <laughs> Poor kid. Right. Maybe he's just made to sit behind a computer desk for he might. He might be. He really likes it, though. I think he had a great time. He did have a great time. Yeah. So. You're right. Um, you missed a really good sermon on Sunday, um, from pastor Steve. He preached the text. Why are your glasses fogged up? Because I'm a bit hot. Are you nervous? No, I'm just, it's cold down here. No, it isn't. Do you have the COVID? Not that I'm aware of. You should take your temperature. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm drinking hot tea and I'm wrapped in a blanket, you guys. And his glasses are fogged up because I just, it's warm. I'm my back is a little sweaty. I've been hot all did, day. Like it's been hot. It's like 93 degrees outside, and it's just crazy. 
Yeah, but it's not hot down here. It feels um, great down I here. I think you have the Rona. No. No, okay. I don't. Um, so, so Steve, I think he's preaching his like best of sermons. As he's, you guys, we have a visiting pastor. Interim. Right. In, is that what he's called? He'd be more of an interim pastor because he's he's I think he's holding visiting. down he's holding down the fort for an extended period of time while our, our senior pastor's on furlough. Sabbatical. Sabbatical. Uh, furlough so is anyway, if like he did something. So anyway, wrong. He's on Steve's, Steve's leave, been at our at our church for about two months. And he just like he doesn't have any responsibilities, so to speak. So he just like like meets with people. And has yeah, sits in his office and works on things and chats and with people. And, and um, anyway, he's he's been super fun, in my opinion, to have around because he just like he gets like all the joy of doing the fun things about pastoring without any of the laborious. Like at least you know with his interim gig, like he doesn't have all of the the laborious, terrible things that make pastors burn out. At least you know in this little gig he's right. got with us right now. But so, and I think he's preaching his best of sermons, so he's not even like. He he's not having to like do this really hard work of coming up with a new sermon every week. Like if you're preaching through the book of Romans or the book of Isaiah and you're studying your mind out to try to understand what this obscure passage means, but you're preaching straight through the book, so you gotta preach it this week. So this week he preached on the passage in Revelation where the woman is pregnant and the the dragon is waiting to devour the baby as soon as it's born. But then the Lord snatches the baby up and takes the woman to a safe place so that the dragon, that's Satan, cannot devour the baby, right? And we know, we should know, we may not know. Revelation is tricky, right? Revelation is, this is not, this is not, this particular text, in my understanding of it, which is also how it was preached at our church on Sunday, is it's not a predictive text it's a picture it's an imagery of jesus being born right and it's also hearkening back to genesis 3 where the serpent is going to strike the heel but not kill the child so he's waiting to devour in other words but cannot devour the baby but the super cool part that I wanted to tell you about in the sermon, right? So he makes the point, like, he has several great points throughout. Like, what's our understanding of the baby? Like, he rules with an iron rod, right? So he, the, the paradox of who Jesus is, and we, he's gentle and meek, but he's a ruler with an iron rod. And several other good points in there. But then we get to the end of the sermon, and it's time for the Lord's Supper, because at our church we celebrate the Lord's Supper every week. And he says, the the baby who would not let the serpent, the beast, the dragon, whatever it is, devour him, now offers his body to you freely in the Lord's Supper and on the cross. So the, the you now get to feast on, as it were, the body of the baby that would not allow Satan to devour him for evil. And we get to devour, consume for good. I, that's a really, uh, 
Do you not think that's as cool as I do? No, it's it's cool. I just I get lost in kind of <laughs> I just get lost in the terminal in the in the devout in okay. So I'm in, not in telling the feasting on the body of Christ lingo. Like I understand. This communion. is my body given for you. Yes, I understand what, it, but it just you know. And there's been heresies throughout the years that talk about well, you guys are you guys are committing you know, you guys are celebrating cannibalism or something like that. And I, I mean, I get it. I just it still it always it always has just rubbed me the wrong way. I just don't like the visual. You don't like communion. You don't like Jesus. <laughs> I love communion. I feel you like I leave church like naked Jesus. if I don't have communion on Sundays. Um, but I just the the just the word picture of feasting on the body of Christ is like. I picture like you feels know, cannibalistic. The vampires, you know, like a vampire scene where there's like a dead body on the table, and they're all like, rawr, 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 and I'm like, I, right. I can't. All right, uh. so <laughs> I get distracted. So that was sideline. supposed to be super cool. <laughs> point that helps Sorry, us I'm to enjoy the book totally. of Revelation a little bit more because Revelation's always weird and hard. Yes, and you just made is. it weirder and harder. <laughs> Good job. I'm sorry. I'm darling. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, love. I'm sorry. Are we done yet? <laughs> <laughs> this late night podcasting is not going very well, guys. This, yeah, this late night podcasting just my mom, um one week. I mean maybe people are entertained anyway. My mom, I remember when we went to when we when we kind of kicked back up after that, we had some sort of weird where we were a little bit inconsistent on the weekly thing. And my mom goes, boy, you guys really, I just really love, you guys are just sounding like, really, there's just something like you guys got going on right there. And I said, ah, the only thing we changed was we went to the afternoons yeah, instead of after the kids went to bed. At 1030 at night. So people um, are probably listening to us going, what in the guys world? Are a mess. We are a mess. We are a mess. We're a massive mess. So I'm trying to track down the other uh mental rant that I had while you were gone. And I didn't have a pen, so I couldn't and write it. And it wasn't down. at me. It wasn't at you this time. No yeah, you said you said no, you no, had I, a I remember a pen what it was. And... I couldn't I tried to actually go back. There was an Instagram post that came across I don't know if it was on my stories or if it was actually my feed, if it was my personal feed or if it was our too busy to flesh feed. So I can't track it down and link it, which is probably just as well. But it was from it was from a an account that I follow, if if I remember correctly, that I would usually consider to have fairly solid biblical takes on contemporary issues. Mm-hmm. And one of the takes that it was posting on was. So we come from a, we come, I'm going to speak from me. I, I am a fairly solid complementarian, which means that I read scripture as saying that men and women have unique and distinct roles in the family and in the family of God, i.e. the local church body, and that God has created those roles for specific purposes And part of the role distinctions include excluding women from 
As Paul says in Timothy, I don't permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man. Mm-hmm. And he grounds that in creation. And so as much as I've studied this and I have a lot of friends who have studied this and come out differently than I do, uh, where they believe that women, that scripture gives women the freedom to be pastors, preaching, ruling elders, things like that. And yet they still hold to the authority of scripture and biblical sexual ethic and things like that. I think it's actually harder to come to that conclusion in our current day and age than it is to come to the conclusion that women can be pastors and homosexual marriage is fine and all that. So there's two different ways of coming to that conclusion. And I think that one is okay and one is, I think, not. Um, so anyway, all that to say, I, 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 I have respect for and respectful disagreement with women in our family as well as that I went to seminary with who are in the pastorate. Uh, this post was preaching to the choir, so to speak, of women who are complementarian like I am, but the post rubbed me really hard the wrong way because it was, instead of focusing on what women can't do in the church, which tends to be, you know, we're not, the Presbyterian Reformed world is not great at PR, right? Like, public <laughs> relations. Yeah. And so, the they're not necessarily great at presenting with joy the beauty of God's design in this area. It's more like, nah, you can't do that. Nah, you can't do that. And so, this post was trying to t- turn the tables and say, what can you, you know, instead of saying that, like, what can you do? What can women do in the church? And it was a list of things like, serve in the nursery, develop hobbies like sewing. And I was like, are you kidding me? And the crazy part is like, these are actually all things like practice gifts of hospitality. Like I love practicing hospitality. I love cooking. It's not only a hobby, it's a passion of mine. I love good food. I love creating good food. I love sewing. I love crafting. I love imparting these things to my plethora of girls that I have. Uh, but I, it just it felt so paternalistic to be like, well, I know that you feel called to be preaching, but have you considered sewing? I just, <laughs> I, it took me a long time to process why that post rubbed me so the wrong way. And I finally figured out it's because it reminded me of the books. You guys, when I graduated from seminary, I had a not insignificant number of people give me graduation presents that were books of how to live life to its fullest now that you're like fully grown up, like you're out of graduate school and you're still single, like (laughs) how to be a joyful single woman in the church. And they were almost two a one things like serve in the church nursery Find a family that you can be a good aunt to. You know, look at all these great, beautiful, wonderful opportunities that you have. Being a single woman in the church is a wonderful opportunity. And none of that is wrong. Just like encouraging a woman who is, you believe, biblically excluded from standing in the pulpit preaching a sermon, encouraging her to practice hospitality. They're not the same, though. Like... Serving in the church nursery 
as a single woman is not the same as being married and having your own kids. And I think that it cheapens the experience of being a mother and having kids to equi- to say that they're equivalent. And it also, I think more importantly in this point, cheapens the suffering that a single woman legitimately experiences if she desires to be married and to have a family of her own, to be like, but you should be so fulfilled if Jesus is your boyfriend and you're working in the church nursery. Like, I, as a single woman, did not like working in the church nursery. I still don't. And I have four kids that have gone through the church nursery. So I do it because I love serving the families in our church. And you don't I actually... Love, I'm not currently serving actively in the You guys, church. Molly doesn't actually like any other kids except her own. I, and there's a couple of women that I know in, who are kind of in that camp, and that's totally cool. So it always kind of surprises I, me still... That I like my own kids? That, no, that oh. you offer to have other people's kids over to our house. So well, that just kind of surprises me sometimes. And I realize we've been married for a long time. But. The older... Okay, there's a couple things about that. One of them is I have other kids over primarily for the sake of our kids because our kids like having friends and they like spending time with their friends. Um, also... The older our kids get, the more experienced I get with other kids, and the more I can handle them, if not necessarily really just enjoy being in the midst of little kids. And also, the older our kids as peers get, the more they're actually really interesting human beings that you can have an interesting, fun conversation with. So, just like as our own kids are maturing and they're fun to hang out with and have real conversations with... Uh, as our friends' as kids, our kids' friends, other kids get older, you can't have a really fun conversation with a toddler in the nursery. Like, you can have silly conversation, you know, and it can be yeah. entertaining. But it's, anyway, all I had to say, especially before I had my own kids, serving in the church nursery was far from where I felt gifted or called or fulfilled in any remote like i can't stress strongly enough how little i wanted to work with especially small kids now junior high kids i did do work with junior high kids and junior high kids you guys are some of my favorite i don't know if they will be when they're my own and i'm dealing with their own drama (laughs) but if you're in a room of junior high boys and girls mixed together and some of the girls are going through puberty and are like looking cool and pretty and some of them are still super awkward and little kid like and the same thing with the boys like there's a couple boys whose voices have dropped and they're like like shedding their baby fat and they're really concerned about how their people look and they're like dressing really cool and then you've got these like squirrely little boys with squeaky voices and who like have never noticed a girl before in their lives and to them, girls are just, like, fellow humans. And it, it just, like, that whole mix cracks me up. <laughs> and you're just, like, like the, the junior high kids who are trying to be super cool, you're just, like, but you're still a junior high boy. And it's adorable. 
in like a oh like pat you on the head sort of way like you're not actually cool but you think you're cool and it's cute and you're not even remotely cool because you're just really awkward and little boy like and that's cute too and so junior high boys i did teach junior high boys and girls um when i was a single person but i feel like in months ago anna who works with kids as a teacher uh, asked how I felt about singleness, and I don't think we ever answered her question then. But here's how I feel about it. It is a serious form of suffering if you desire to be married, and God, in his wisdom and in his plan for your life, as well as in the fact that you are living in a fallen world where things go wrong all the time, and that includes maybe for you part of living in the fallen world is this thorn in your flesh, if you will, the suffering of not fulfilling your desire now or knowing if you will ever have that desire fulfilled of having a spouse and having kids. And I think that the church could do a better job of acknowledging singleness as a form of suffering. And at the same time, you know, so then we have this whole category in scripture. How do we, how do we experience suffering in scripture? Well, in Jeremiah, the exiles are encouraged to settle down and thrive in the midst of their exile and to make the most of the situation where God has put them in. And in the Psalms, we we lament to God the things that we're that we're tearful about, and we praise Him and thank Him for His steadfast faithfulness, the fact that He doesn't change, and the fact that He's with us and He's He's taking care of us wherever we are. So that's if we take singleness into the larger category of life is not turning out for me the way that I would like it to have turned out, then we are with the Israelites in the wilderness because life has not turned out for the Israelites in the wilderness the way that they want. And we see our stumbling and our lack of faith and God's provision for us in the context of God's eternal steadfast faithfulness and character to us while we live in a broken world. So... You describe all of that in the context of being single. And you're no longer single now, um, but you've got a master's of divinity mm-hmm. from Westminster Seminary. Um, you know, you're part of a denomination, you're a strong complementarian, part of a denomination that doesn't allow ruling elders. And, and at least in the history of our particular church, you know, there's things you're eminently qualified to teach on. But even for a Sunday school session, it's like, well, we're going to make sure we have, you know, uh, a pastor there or a a man teaching Mm -hmm. with you. Um, What do you say when the article rubbed you the wrong way? You said it cheapened. It cheapens a lot of things by doing unhealthy comparisons. But what about somebody in your position? Why did it rub you the wrong way for something like that when, when you have obviously gifts and and things that you want to fulfill that you're not maybe not fulfilling how you want to 
See, see, for me, I don't necessarily... I think it rubbed me the wrong way because there's a category of women in our churches who don't like to sit down and do crafts and who don't find fulfillment in these stereotypical female things. And to be told you need to fit into this box and be happy about it, I think is just going to alienate people. <clears throat> and I I do not, despite my training, do not have any desire, have any sense of calling to be in on a teaching role on the staff of a church, as a pastor in a pulpit, things like that. I imagine, though, I have talked to women and who do feel that call, and I imagine that if they find themselves in the tension of, I've studied scripture, and I still come out on the complementary end of things, and yet I feel this teaching, I, I would love to do something that I believe scripture restrains me from doing. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I mean, that in it, so that would not be too different. Again, I don't think this is cheapening other people's forms of suffering. If, if I were same-sex attracted and I believed in the, what I believe is the biblical sexual ethic that would keep me from, from marriage, from a lifelong commitment, thus saying, essentially, you will have particular struggles of loneliness and lifelong singleness where you know you're managing your household by yourself there's certain just ease of life benefits that come from being married like i can rely on you to help me you know fix figure out how to fix cars and figure out how to pay bills and things like that that someone who's married who believes that scripture does not allow them to marry scripture plus their you know their does that you know their inclinations or whatever you want to say it would probably be clearer if it weren't 11 o'clock at night but i you know so so i think that there's a particular form of suffering that we need to acknowledge that you have desires that you believe cannot be fulfilled biblically Uh, and so to say uh, there's no fix for that right we also have a theology need to have a better theology of suffering that says we can't pray away and we can't fix a particular form of suffering that is just in you know your desires and your deep and i don't mean desire in a shallow way but like your deep sense of calling or your deep sense of purpose or direction or orientation are contrary to scripture and you recognize that so you get to live in this tension and this brokenness indefinitely. And I think that as believers, we we need to be less like Job's friends who sit down next to Job and want to tell him everything he's done wrong and want to tell him how to fix his suffering rather than sitting alongside him in the heaviness of saying, I don't know why why life is so hard for you and I'm sorry that it is and I know that we have a big God with big answers and I know that he's with you in your suffering but I don't have answers for you 
And I mean, ultimately, the answer God gives Job is, you don't get to know. You know, I'm God and yeah. you're not. Um, and so I guess with with singleness, with women who feel called to be in ministry that in our particular tradition is not possible for them, with people who are same-sex attracted, desiring to live a godly life, these are all um, just deep struggles that there's no fix for. I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, my, my first thought is like, it seems like a stretch to compare women teaching in the church in this particular, uh, venue, um, to same sex attraction. Yeah. I I mean, the, the degree of, of suffering and denying yourself is probably different there. But okay. I guess the reason that I'm making that comparison is because it's it's something that you would feel a desire or an inclination or an right. orientation to, like, you know, I just really feel called to preach and teach. And if a, if a guy were to say that, they would take him under care, they would take care of him, they would mentor him, they would provide him scholarships. And if a woman says that, they're like, but <laughs> you can't do that. You know, and in this case, rather than saying, you know, let, you know, do you need to, let's study scripture together, let's seek ways for you to grow, uh, you know, it's, you know, for the same sex attracted man, like, you know, well, you know, go join a Bible study and pray away the gay. Like, that's the shallow response that the church has yeah. done. For a woman who desires to be in ministry, you know, the response to me that would be equivalent to that. But again, you're right. The degree, the degree of needing to deny self and suffering is, is less. I totally acknowledge that. But to say like, you know, you sure you feel called to ministry. Have you considered children's ministry? No, I don't. Yeah. I don't like kids and that's not where I'm expressing a call to. And so to see, um, Somebody else's, you know, a man who is equally gifted, you know, or less gifted academically and in terms of speaking and things like that, to Mm -hmm. have that man be celebrated and pushed forward and you be told because you're a woman you can't do that is not necessarily wrong biblically, but it's not pastoral and it's not necessarily good care of that woman to just be like, you know, go sew something. <laughs> and likewise for single women to be told, you know, but you you have such a great life, you know, when, yes, I do have a great life, but that doesn't mean I don't have desires for something else that I believe God created me to have a good and healthy desire for. Fair. Uh, I will say one other thing. Um, about single women, though, there are a couple of single women in our church who have so much more drive and vibrant lives than I did when I was a single woman <laughs> in my late 20s. I just have so much. I'm thinking of two very specifically right now. <laughs> I'm, I wonder if you were thinking of the same ones. No, I just have so much respect for single women who go on these incredible adventures and who are just like 
managing their lives well because it's it's overwhelming to me to do the insurance and the mortgages and you know the car insurance and the health insurance and the life insurance and the home insurance and just all of all of life is so much easier i mean i think there's there's for sure much deeper biblical natural law reasons for marriage then it's really nice to have somebody helping you figure out home insurance and life insurance and auto insurance and car registration and you know like just all of the details of life are tremendously the burden is you know a cord of three strands is not easily broken like if somebody falls down you have somebody else to help you up and in in the case of marriage in an ideal world you have a covenant commitment to the person who's always going to be the if i fall down there is somebody there to help me up when you're a single person you have to actively cultivate those relationships and as people move into different phases of life you have to keep cultivating those relationships now, to be fair we as a married couple still have to be cultivating our relationship because we've entered into I mean, we've gone we through have a several ton iterations. Of it's, and we I, ourselves change as we yes, go. Yes. I think it's different, though. And I, I, yes, I agree. It takes a lot of, okay. it, it takes you're, a you're, lot of work to keep a good marriage you're, to you. You're right, though, in the fact that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's actually not entirely true, you guys. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> <coughs> Only when I rent mountain bikes. <laughs> and I own two perfectly good ones. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, oh, what was I going to say? I, I forgot what I was going to um, say. I have to you, go back and listen to the show. You were going to say something along the lines of, we have to work hard to maintain our marriage and to be the oh, person who Oh, yeah, I was going to say, up. no, it, you, you're, you're, you're lacking... You're lacking that covenant bond or in hopefully in a marriage case, you're lacking that kind of fundamental understanding that you're always going to have somebody there. Yeah. And they're always committed to you. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have that and you don't have that when you're single. And as you move through difficult. life phases, we are moving through those phases together versus, you know, you could cultivate a really good friendship with somebody and then she goes off and gets married. Right. And that inherently changes your relationship no matter how hard you you try to have it not to be because she has a different number one person now. Or she moves away or, you know, you have a really tight roommate and then something happens and the roommate situation changes. Anyway, all I'm saying is I have, because... I lived that for a short amount of an adult life. I've, we've now been married for much longer than I was a single adult. But because I lived that and like even skiing, like I didn't ski when I was single because I didn't have someone to ski with. And it's just a lot of work to figure out the equipment and all the things. And I probably would go back to not skiing if something were like none of the kids would ski if you weren't around that would be a whole kind of a different ball of wax so that would be me managing four kids skiing yeah that's at this point but 
Anyway, all of that to say, I have a tremendous amount of respect for single women who, and men, but women because I'm a woman, who are living tremendously vibrant lives where they're pouring themselves into uh, wherever God has placed them. It doesn't necessarily have to be the church nursery, but if it is the church nursery, more power to them and traveling and just loving people well wherever they are. Because as Carolyn McCauley says in her book, Did I Kiss Dating Goodbye? I wonder if they're going to change the name of that book now that Josh Harris is out of vogue. Anyway. It's been um, so long. It's been so long since it's been printed. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. Um, anyway, she says that that one of the great marks of sancti this is a really rough paraphrase, but one of the great marks of sanctification as a single woman is celebrating when other people have blessings that you would like to receive. Like if you deeply desire to be married, and you're going to a wedding show of a friend to be genuinely celebrating that friend or if you then desire to have children going to baby showers and genuinely celebrating somebody else getting a gift that you would like to receive and that's not only a you know a singleness lesson I mean how many times already have I taught that lesson to our kids like that person has a better bike than you do be grateful for what you have. Celebrate the awesomeness of the bike they have or the clothes that they have mm-hmm. or the new house that your friends moved into. Like, you have an awesome house. You can and yet be genuinely kids, excited for cool stuff. Like, for somebody else, get, but, yeah. but when somebody else is getting a blessing that you wish you had or that you think you deserve. It is very hard. I think it's harder to rejoice with those who rejoice in those situations Mm -hmm. than it is to weep with those who mourn. You can always be sad for somebody when they're losing in a tragic situation. Um, I guess not always. There's bitterness and meanness in our hearts that could make us rejoice at somebody being tragic. But in my personal sinful heart, I find it easier to weep with those who weep than to rejoice with those who rejoice if they're getting something that I want or that I think I deserve. Yeah. And that's where you kind of have to check your own heart for stuff. So, anyway, guess what? Time's up. You're so cute. Over here in my... <laughs> you, you asked me way back, are we done yet? After the whole feasting on the body of Christ thing. <laughs> and I that that was brilliant. I love what you had to say. I'm glad you remember your rant. I'm glad I did, too, because I probably would have remembered it tomorrow mid-morning while you were driving out of town and out of cell range. Anyway, yeah, speaking of uh, next week, we will probably have the show... The earliest we'll probably be able to... Well, we might be able to record a show on Tuesday, but... Anyway, you'll be listening to this the day after, ideally, the day after we've recorded it. So if you like it... That's awesome. Please send us a message on Instagram at too busy to flush or T O O busy to T O flush. Or uh, you can send us a postcard on our website, tb2f.com. Uh, you can send me an email at tb the number 2f at pm.me or send me a text at 406 318 7136. Molly does get all communications because I pass stuff on to her. 
um, but she's the introvert and doesn't like the social interactions or something like that. Um, I know there's a number of you who have emailed us or messaged us and we have not gotten back to you. I try to respond to absolutely everything that comes in. So for that, I apologize. I will get on that uh, next week. (laughs) As soon as I get back back in cell range consistently cabin. Yeah. Cell range consistently. And I'm done kind of moving. I I have to slow down because I've got to get the Spartan done. Um, for some things and I've got to get we got uh, a camp another camping trip coming up at the end of July and I'm looking at my calendar going wow this is 4th of July is sneaking up really really fast and then the end of July is sneaking up really fast after that so all the things um, but uh, yeah so otherwise thanks for joining us hope you had a great evening don't forget to check out our website we've got some swag some other stuff on there you might like some of our recommended things it's pretty cool mm-hmm. yeah Anyway, talk to you next week, guys. He just waved at you guys. He waved I again. I <laughs> waved at the microphone. It's 11.27 p.m., you guys. P.m. And I'm sorry for saying you guys so much because there's probably girls in there, too, and I recognize how sexist that is or something. Uh, good night. Talk to you guys next <laughs> week. <laughs>